So anytime I'm seeing this movie, like a spy movie or a Jason Bourne movie, and they're tracking things, they're in this war room, they've got this cyan content overlaying atop. Do you know why? Because it looks cool. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Esri Australia. To get your hands on more short, sharp, and immediately useful resources, head to the Esri Australia website and search for Goldmine. And welcome along to GIS Directions podcast. I'm Wayne Lee Archer. And I'm Tartanecker. And today we are going to hear from John Nelson, author of the popular Adventures in Mapping blog and source of the Firefly styles in ArcGIS Pro. John, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We're all big fans of your work here. Um, I know I use uh, the Firefly themes regularly, possibly overusing them. Uh, I know Tar also is a great, uh, is a big fan. Tar. Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? That Firefly style on a dark themed grey map in Arctis Online, it is electric. It's fire, I would say. Now John joins us today all the way from Michigan and we're so excited to have you. And John's going to give us some inspiration for creating amazing mapping experiences with cartographic style and talk about his top hints and tips for creating maps that tell a great story with impact. Sounds like a good gig when I hear it that way. <laughs> and it is a good gig, actually, I love it. There's so much data that's available out there and it's, it's sitting there ready to be used and there are specialists who are accessing it and using it, but I find that there's a lot of potential that's not quite being met yet. And one of the things that I like to do is peruse the Living Atlas and find uh information, data, maps, layers that our users and customers have uploaded to share with the world and pull that down and in ArcGIS Online or whether it's ArcGIS Pro, it doesn't matter, play with that data and see if there's some kind of story that I can reveal out of it. So maybe blow the dust off of that data and reveal some structure and uh, share that share that process. And generally that means making a bizarre or weird map that I ultimately kind of have to defend, right? Uh, I know um, there's so much great data available out there mm -hmm. on Living Atlas. We get data from all of our clients on a regular basis. Uh, however, I'm probably not quite as creative as you, John, uh, and and I take liberty of stealing the wonderful styles and files that, that you put up there on Adventures in Mapping and up on ArcGIS Online. How to dare you? How dare I indeed? <laughs> One of my favorites, as a matter of fact, is uh, Julie's story. It was a, a couple of years back now, but um, you did a, a fantastic story map on uh, on the Osprey, Julie. And that, that's one that kind of inspired me to, to really look deeper into ways of creating inspiring maps and, and creating maps that tell a story with wonderful style. So you've, uh, you've had a, a big impact on, on how I drive ArcGIS, mm -hmm. uh, both pro and, and online. I wonder sometimes if, if I don't overuse it. Ty, you, you've seen all of my maps and, <laughs> um, and it's my go-to theme. It is, it is. It's your thing. Do you have any tips for us and maybe our listeners, John, about how you can effectively apply that theme and, and then perhaps what we can do to, to step out of that, oh, we've just created another Firefly map uh, mode of operation? Of course, I'm not the first person to make a map with like a dark, dramatic, desaturated satellite imagery background and glowing crap on top of that, <laughs> you know, like glowing features. In fact, I did steal it from the concept of uh, cinema. So anytime I'm seeing this movie, like a spy movie or a Jason Bourne movie, and they're tracking things, they're in this war room, they've got uh, monitors just loaded with imagery and they're looking, they're zooming in, they're zooming out, and they've got this cyan content overlaying atop the imagery and it's kind of got this glow effect. Always got that neon they, glow. <laughs> yeah, the glow. And it's 
Do you know why? Because it looks cool. Now, I was working for an organization that was building dashboards for emergency response and preparedness for large organizations. And really, that was essentially my market. Anytime I would draw a mock-up of a proposed visualization or a dashboard and a member of the military, let's say, would see it, they'd say, yes, exactly. This is what we want <laughs> without fail. And I thought, okay, there's something to this. It's not just cinema, right? Even though coolness matters, things that look cool and fun and attractive are going to gain more eyeballs than something that's kind of bland and pedestrian that everybody's seen before. But there are a lot of practical components that I have since rationalized, right? They didn't go into the baking of the Firefly style, but I've kind of noticed them after having refined it and made it available to others and described it for people. Sure. The thing that's especially helpful or compelling about it, I think, is that the background is the background. It's dark and it's desaturated. And mm. that's, that's, a, that's a classic cartographic principle, right? You've mm. got uh, satellite imagery because it's really nice and it gives you the detail of geographic context for the stuff that's sitting on top. That's great. But all that bright color and light... Uh, of the background mm. fights with the actors that are standing on that stage. So what Firefly does is it pushes that imagery back to where it belongs, like a, a dark dramatic stage. And we reduce a lot of that bright color, which visually interferes with any thematic content that we put on top of it. So there's practical reasons that the base map is kind of dark and desaturated and imagery. It looks cool, but it's practical too. And then from the thematic perspective, the data that sits on top of it, it glows, has to glow. That's, you know, that's the, the, the whole reason behind Firefly. But I think that's a, a big reason for its popularity. I mean, it certainly seems pretty timeless and I see it coming back time and time again. But it, it really does. You're right there. It, it draws the eye to the important part on the map. And that's the data that we're putting on top of whatever that base map underneath and the data data is just data ultimately and really what it's doing is it's a stand-in for a real world phenomenon that we're trying to see and understand and the first law of geography is everything is related to everything else except nearer things are more oh, closely right. related <laughs> and so when you do a glow effect a it does look cool and i i like that right and there's a lot of value to that but b it's probably the best visible tangible symbolic example of the first law of geography that I can think of. You've got a, a bright, hot, concentrated center, and then it tapers off at a distance the farther you go away from that feature. And I mean, even in these days when we're worried about uh, epidemiology and those sorts of things, mm. uh, you've got an instance, and oftentimes we represent that as this infinitely precise point feature that exists right at this XY and has no impact on the things surrounding it. What Firefly does is it says, here is that thing that you're trying to represent, and the glow has an eroding effect you know, in color as it goes at a distance. It has an impact on its surrounding. Everything has an impact on its surrounding. So if you had a map of the world airports, I mean, anyone who's been near or lived in an airport knows that an airport isn't this tiny precise thing it has an influence on its area you can hear the airplanes you can see them coming in you've got infrastructure built up to support the airport and it's got this fading out effect and so i think it's a really appropriate symbology mechanism in some ways then uh, i think what you're, you're describing there is that it 
it touches on those those geographic um, standards and those ge geographic patterns and, and patterns of cartography that people who have been to, to mapping school already know, but that uh, other people don't seem to, to automatically recognise. So you know, Firefly obviously has, has that baked in, uh, it sounds accidentally somewhat, but baked in there so that people can start using cartographic techniques they didn't even really know about by, by surprise. That's really interesting. Now, one thing that you have that I absolutely love on the Adventures in Mapping blog is the one minute map hacks. One of my favorites was uh, creating a Lego map. I thought it was dope. Oh, I love the Lego um, map. The, oh, it was absolutely amazing. My kids love the Lego <laughs> map as well. Um, I will have a request at the end of it. I'm going to ask if we can perhaps create a Star Trek themed map, but that's for later. Uh, but before we get into that, I was hoping we could talk a little bit about um, the principles, I guess, in this day and age. We want to create fast maps, um, particularly with this um, epidemic that we're looking at or any kind of incident where we want to get rapid maps out but we want to do it with good cartographic sense. Uh, what are some tips I guess that you'd give to users to be able to quickly put together really great maps using really great styles that um, pack quite a cartographic punch? Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks for the kind words by the way about the Lego style. That was <laughs> a lot of fun. Maybe technically it, I should call it the plastic brick plastic style. Brick plastic map, brick, yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I do for people who are making maps in ArcGIS Pro is if I make a map theme that I think is interesting that other people might want to also use, I'll just wrap it up as a style. And a style file is a lot like CSS is to the internet. It'll take whatever data comes in and just applies its visual rules to it. So you can have, you can start with any sort of map, you know, rasters, vectors, and just start selecting features in that style and painting it in a really fast way, really rapid, honestly. So if you've got a, a map from start to scratch, it could be a matter of minutes and it looks like it was cut out of felt or made out of Legos or, you know, water colored by, by somebody. Um, and it's, it's really rapid. And that's something I've really grown to love in ArcGIS Pro is sharing that and then what I love even more is seeing people use it and sharing the maps that they've made it's just fantastic what a great feeling and that's so that's for pro and in ArcGIS online sorry go ahead no I was just about to say that you, you've gone and, and stolen my next question because <laughs> stole the thunder well, yeah, I, no, I'm not a, a GIS or cartographic expert my, my background isn't in in geo traditionally so I struggle a little bit in ArcGIS pro uh, I'm, I'm more likely to, to crack open ArcGIS Online or a portal instance and and put a bit of Firefly on there and, <laughs> and, and it's all good. So, yeah, do you have some tips for our, our non-pro users, our ArcGIS Online users? ArcGIS Online lets you do things really quickly. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stylistic control that you have over it. I think people are surprised at what it's capable of um, when I tell them it was built from scratch in ArcGIS Online. I'll just say that occasionally I'll get into a rut, just <laughs> a visualization, mapping, GIS, whatever you want to call it, rut. And I think, oh, I've got this data, and I'll present it as a color-filled, choropleth map of areas, and it's out the door. And I think, gosh, there's so much more that we could do, but it's so easy for us just to get in that rut. I mean, like you were saying, Wayne, sometimes you feel like you use Firefly too much because, uh, you know, maybe you're in a Firefly rut because that's your muscle memory of making a map and yeah. here's some options. Let's go with it. And I can feel like I'm in a rut. I fire up ArcGIS online, I pull in a data feed, and I just give it a, a standard choropleth treatment 
and then I move on. But there's just so much more that you can do. It's fun to just take a pause, take a beat, and look at what's available initially in those set of smart mapping options that are there. You know, It does a really good job of saying, oh, this is the data that you've got. Maybe you want to try this sort of visualization, which is cool. And you can kind of take that to the next level. So here's a, here's a silly hack that I like to do. So Ooh. a lot of my ArcGIS online web maps use one layer that's duplicated many times in uh. the web map. And each, each version of that layer has some different visual component that I'll, that I'll show. Let's say states layer uh, and it's a polygon layer you can render polygons as scaled points that'll render in the middle of those areas and that's really cool so you can have color as the background you can do a graduated symbol version of that with just a ring you can do oh this is a nice hack so you could then make a copy of that and label it you can label really well in ArcGIS Pro and then hide the symbology altogether and have a map that's constructed only of, say, colored text saying the name of what's there or some measure of what's there. Mm. And if you've got dense enough data, uh, when you zoom out, you can see it sufficiently that it kind of paints in its own geographic picture, but it's really just a textual map. And you don't need to actually use polygon rendering if you have a polygon data set. You know, uh, you don't have to use a point symbol if you have a point data set. You know, that's a that's a dope hack. I think I'm going to try that today. I'm uh, I'm definitely um, a pro lover, but I I definitely will try a couple of these things in ArcGIS Online and share them um, and see what those results are. Thanks for that. That's that's we love a good hack here. So thank you for sharing your one minute hack. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, Another thing that I'll do is zoom level dependencies because it's in ArcGIS Pro and ArcGIS Online. It's really easy to say this layer is only visible as I scale within this range. And you can mm. turn it off if you zoom out and turn it off if you zoom in. Uh, and so what I'll do is have multiple versions of a layer that looks slightly different as you zoom in and zoom out. Uh, maybe as the data resolves a little bit more, I'll go into that label-only trick so that you're seeing the base map that with these really floating cool. labels. Nice. You, don't, you don't need to see a map that's just fully filled with an orange polygon, right? You get it. You've zoomed in that far. Now just show me a label. So little tricks like that with scale dependencies and visualization. That's a really, really good tip, John. And uh, I would never have actually come up with the uh, uh, don't use drawing, use some labels. Yeah. So like a, a word cloud kind of effect. Uh, I think oh, as soon as I'm done here, that's it. I'm off, <laughs> off to create some word cloud maps. How much of this can we actually do in ArcGIS Online? So can we do multiple layers like that? Is the, the labeling uh, capability in ArcGIS Online or are we sort of you know, relegating this to, to TAR's corner of the world? No, no, the exact same principle holds for ArcGIS Online. You can, you can duplicate your layers, you can control when they're visible and invisible based on zoom level. You can use a different visualization method for each zoom level. Say if you wanted to zoom in and stop showing the symbology and then revert only to labeling, that sort of thing. Very ArcGIS online friendly. 
Now, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there for now, John. We've been so busy getting your top map hacks that we've run out of time. But we're going to bring you back for another episode so we can explore more of your ideas around creating beautiful maps and apps. Now, I think the biggest takeaways for me today were leveraging what's already available to you and check out the data shared by the GIS user community across various platforms, including ArcGIS Online, Open Data, Living Atlas and ArcGIS Hub, and have a play around with that data and see what stories you can reveal. Now, John, thanks so much for joining us today. We have learned so much. No, it was, it was a lot of fun, for real. Thank you. And that was part one of our two-part podcast special with John Nelson. Join us next time as we speak with John about how historical cartography rules and principles can improve the maps we create today, and we'll even find out what he thinks about the Flat Earth Movement. Ooh. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Esri Australia.